Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Lee, and I'm one of the pastors here, and one of my role is as the family pastor. So I'm super excited about VBS, and I'm so grateful that Darren is going to be directing it this year. Yes, Darren does. If, if you guys have ever seen uh, the way Darren interacts with our kids for kids, choir, and VBS and things, he does a phenomenal job, so we're very blessed to have him doing that, and I'm grateful, Darren, that you're taking that over this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Darren's like, we'll talk later. Uh, I, the song that we just sang, Lead Me to the Cross, is, is the perfect song for what we've been in, the book of John. We're in chapter 14. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how Judas had gone out to betray Jesus, and Jesus' death is coming quickly, right? So we are leading to the cross uh, in the part of the passage that we're in. So we're in John chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 15. And during this time, Jesus is talking to his disciples, telling them like, hey, I'm about to be gone. I'm about to leave. I'm about to take my departure. I'm not going to be with you moving forward. So his disciples are kind of freaking out about all this. But as we see through chapter 14, Jesus spends a lot of time comforting his disciples, letting them know that he will be with them, just not physically as he is with them right now. So he continues to say things like, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. Right? And so today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and how God has sent the Holy Spirit, not just for disciples at that point, but for us in 2022 as well. So open up your Bible to John chapter 14 if you have it, or use your Bible app. Um, if you don't have a Bible, look under the seat or the seat in front of you, and you'll have a Bible that looks like this. That's what I'll be using. So if you're with me on this, it's page 737. So we're going to start in John chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 15, and read to the end of the chapter. And this is Jesus speaking. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me does not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, 
let us leave. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. Lord, for the, we thank you for these words, God, that uh, you do not leave us alone, Lord. You have not abandoned us, God. You are with us. Lord, for those of us that have our faith in you, Lord, uh, your spirit of truth, God, the Holy Spirit is with us in everything that we do. Lord, I praise we read through this, God, that we will see um, the gospel at the heart of this message. Lord, I pray that we will see, uh, God, just all the wonderful things that you have done for us. Lord, and understand, God, that, that our, our lives, everything that is good in our lives, God, the joy that we could possibly have all comes from you. God, it is found in you, Lord. I pray that you open our eyes to this, Lord, and that your spirit will speak to us. In your son's name I pray, amen. So Jesus is trying to calm the fears of his disciples because at this point, all they can think is, listen, we've been with this guy for a few years now, and all of a sudden he's just going to leave, right? It kind, of, it kind of feels like, Jesus, like you're abandoning us a little bit. What's going on? So they're kind of freaking out, and Jesus says, no, no, I got you. I got you. And so he says in verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father, right, me, I will ask God to send you another advocate to be with you forever. Now, depending on what translation you have, it may not use the word advocate. It could have helper, it could have comforter, it could have counselor. There's a couple of choices. And the reason why, in Greek, the word is parakleton. And there is not an English word that matches directly with the definition of parakleton in Greek. So it means, it does mean counselor, but it means so much more than that. It does mean helper, but it means so much more than that. It does mean advocate, but it means so much more than that. So we don't have a word that matches, so that's why in different translations you may have something different. But it's the same idea that Jesus is sending someone. And the reason that I, I think advocate works the best of those options is because an advocate is someone who, who comforts you and helps you out, who comes alongside you, and someone who fights for you. And that's what Jesus has been doing for his disciples. And so that's what he is letting them know, like, hey, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send another advocate. And so we also need to understand that the word another is significant because that means we've been having an advocate up to this point. So the first advocate for the disciples was Jesus. So when he says, I'm sending another advocate, he doesn't mean there's going to be a new gospel coming. He means the spirit of truth is going to continue the work that Jesus has been doing up to this point. Last week, Pastor Matt spoke about Jesus used the words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So here when Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth, he's saying that he's taking what Jesus has already been teaching, what Jesus has already been showing, and he's going to continue to teach that and remind them of everything that's happening. So this isn't like a new gospel or like a new story. It's continuing the work of Jesus. And what's fascinating here is it shows the connection of the Trinity, right, which is God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, right? So each different in their personhood, but all one God. And that's, I, I know that's a very difficult concept to understand. I know that uh, if you have any questions about it, I'm sure Pastor Matt would love to take you out to coffee and be able to either explain it better or confuse you even more. Either way. But it's important we understand this because if Jesus is going to God and saying, God, can you please send the Holy Spirit to these people, to my followers? So we understand that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all working together. There's, it's not like three different things against each other. They're all working in unison to bring the kingdom of God. And so what's important in this when he says another advocate, the word advocate, why do we need an advocate? 
Why do we need, right, like just in life, why do we need somebody to stand up for us? Why do we need somebody to fight for us? Right? One of the things that we can look at, 2 Corinthians 5.10, should be on the screen if you want to write it down, that's fine too. Here's why we need an advocate. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. A day of accountability is coming for all of us, each and every one of us, whether things we've done are good or bad. Now, a lot of times we deceive ourselves and we consider ourselves to be good people. At our heart, we are not good people, right? Every single day, either in thought, word, or deed, we have sinned. I mean, you guys are the 10. I said this at 9 o'clock. I'm probably up the percentage for this one. 95% of us in this room have probably already done that this morning. Have either sinned in thought, word, or deed. So we need to get rid of this idea that we are good and get this idea that, no, at our heart we are not good, but we serve a good God, and through Him, good things come. And so that day of accountability is coming for us. And so when the Bible says this, it's not to scare us. It's to make us sober-minded. It's to treat this seriously. Like our sin needs to be treated seriously, right? We, we make excuses for our sin all the time, but God doesn't do that. He wants us to take this seriously. And the reason why is because of other things in Scripture, right? If we say, oh, man, like it sounds like God wants me to be perfect, but surely God doesn't want me to be perfect, right? Galatians chapter 3, verse 10 says, for all who rely on the works of the law, that means the things you do, good and bad, are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. And to state it more plainly, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, it says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So God does God demand perfection from you and I. Yes, He does. He does. And so what, here's what, what gets so crazy. We want to kind of excuse our sin, right? Like if I want to say, you know what, I, yeah, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have yelled at my kids this morning, but I didn't get great sleep last night, so really it's okay. No, it's not. Right? I lied to somebody, but they're not really a good person, so it's, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Sin is sin. If God demands perfection of our lives, then everything that we do that's sinful breaks our relationship with God. So this idea that we can just do whatever we want and pretend like, oh, you know, God's okay with it. God just kind of winks at that sin. He does not. And the reason why, it's, it's, it's a terrible idea to think that way because when we do that, we cheapen the grace that God has given us. If our sin is like, okay, we're just kind of like, wink and eye at it, it's really not that big of a deal, then Jesus' death isn't that big of a deal either. But if God demands perfection and there's no way that we can do that, then Jesus' death, the grace that comes from Jesus' death and resurrection should overwhelm us, should completely overwhelm us. And so the reason we need an advocate, when we're at that judgment seat, right, having our lives looked at, so if we come up and we're standing before that, and so they're reading through this list of the things we've done in our lives. Here's what you're, you're going to do. Because if you're looking at a holy God and He's going through the list of things that you've done wrong, the list of sins that you have, 
He doesn't even have to go past one week to make you hang your head and understand in relation to God's holiness, we've got nothing. But if our faith is in Jesus, then he is our advocate. And Jesus steps up and says, no, no, I got this. And Jesus says, no, listen, this one has placed their faith in me. So the perfect life that I lived, they get credit for that. The death that I died that was punishment for their sin, no, I I took care of that. I covered that for them. They're free to go. And so God says, welcome in. Like that should blow our mind. Like even just talking about it, it gives me chills as I'm talking about that. It makes no sense. It makes no sense that God would do that for us. It's like cheating. It's like cheating, right? I, I, I was a teacher for 10 years. And it would be like me going up to a student and say, the only way you get past my class is if you ace this test. Oh, and by the way, here's all the answers. Like that's what God has done for us. Like here's the things that you have to do, but I, I got it all covered. Now this only happens if our faith is in Jesus, right? That's it. Because it's saying if we love God, we'll do what he commands. And Jesus has done these things and he has covered it. And so if we see that, if we see who we truly are compared to God's holiness, and then understand that Jesus willingly steps in front of us and advocates for us if our faith is in him, I mean, I I don't know how we just don't result in praise and thanksgiving for everything he has done. And so when Jesus tells him, again, he's sending another Holy Spirit, not another Holy Spirit, another advocate, the Spirit is going to dwell within his people. Up until this point, the Holy Spirit has not operated that way. The Holy Spirit has been active, right? If you read through the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit has been active, but has not consistently nonstop dwelt in the heart of the believers. But that's going to change after Jesus' death and resurrection. The Holy Spirit comes and is with believers at all times, meaning for those of us in this room that have placed our faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit is with us even now so that we are never abandoned. We are never left as orphans, as the Scripture says. And so this should bring us great comfort because it shows that God wants to have an intimate relationship with us. Okay, we need to quit thinking of God as like this abstract thing that's far away. Like God wants to be in the mess with you. He wants to be in the mess with you because of his love for you. And that, again, that's another thing that should just kind of blow our minds and we don't really fully understand what that's like. And as Jesus is talking about the spirit of truth, he continues in verse 17, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And that that last part, because you live, I also will live, is huge. Because what Jesus is saying is that he's going to come back from the dead. He's going to be raised again on the third day. So because he lives, now death is defeated. Not only has he lived a perfect life, also now death is defeated. So now... It says, you also will live. So what he's saying is that when the Holy Spirit comes in our lives, it gives us new life. It's not just, hey, one day you die, you're going to go to heaven, but to give you new life while you are still here. Because the obedience, the perfection that God demands, their obedience can only come from the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And so also in that passage, the one part that I just read, when Jesus refers to the world, it says, the world cannot accept him. Understand, he's not talking about every single person in the world because then he wouldn't be talking about his disciples. When he says the world, what it's meaning is that the people in the world who are set against Jesus. Because see, there's only two options. You are either for Jesus or you're against him. 
There is no riding the fence. There's no, let me just kind of see what happens. The Bible says you're either for him or you're against him. That's it. There's not a third option. There's not like, well, let me kind of do what I want and kind of see how things play out. It's like, no. If you're not for Christ, then you're against him. And so what he's saying through this is basically that the world, again, meaning the people who have chosen to be against God, have made their decision. And so Judas, in verse 22, and you notice it highlights that it's not Judas Iscariot. So it's reminding you like, hey, Judas Iscariot is the one who's going to betray Jesus, right? He's already, he basically sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So they're letting you know this isn't the same one because that Judas has already gone off to do his thing. And Judas said, verse 22, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. This is like the third time he said this in this passage already. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So when Judas is asking about the world, Jesus is saying, listen, like, I've done everything in front of everybody, right? Jesus wasn't hiding when he was doing the miracles, when he was preaching. Everyone was able to see that. But what he's telling Judas is, listen, the world has made his choice. And so how do we know if we're part of that or not? If you love me, you'll obey my teaching. There's a direct correlation between love for God and obedience. And so the condition here is not to threaten the disciples, but it's to properly define what love is. What is love for God? Obedience. Obedience is love for God. There are too many times that we, ha- we have done this. We see people in this world do this. Yeah, I love God. I love Jesus. Okay, are you doing the things that the Bible talks about? No, but I, but I love God. No, you don't. Listen, that's the reality. If there is no obedience to the gospel, to the scriptures in your life, then stop saying that you have a love for God or a love for Jesus because you don't. And those are based on, not on my words, those are based on Jesus' words. If there is a love for him, obedience is part of that. You cannot separate the two. And it's not this like, oh, like, like he's like, hey, you better do this. The obedience that he calls us to brings us joy. That is what we were designed for. We were designed to worship God and to follow him through obedience. And that brings us joy really to so many other things that just waste our time and are just distractions for us. And it's because when we think of the word obedience, we think of having to listen to our parents, right? Or if you're a parent, you're thinking of getting my kid to be obedient. And so a lot of times there comes with harshness and other things like that. But what God is saying is, listen, it is in your best interest and in your most joy to follow the things that I've given to you. And what gets even more amazing is the the obedience that is required by us, the Holy Spirit helps us achieve that. We can't do that on our own. God sends the Holy Spirit so that we are now able to obey. It's carrying on the work of Jesus, continues to do that. In verse 25, Jesus continues. He says, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So we see further, what's the role of the Holy Spirit? To teach us all things and to remind us 
Again, it's not teaching us new things. It's teaching us what Jesus has been teaching and to remind us of things. We need to be reminded of things constantly. All of us do. That's one. There are many reasons we come to church on Sunday morning, the corporate worship, being together and seeing other like-minded people who are like, listen, we don't have it together. Praise God we have Jesus. But another big reason we come is to listen to the preaching of God's Word because we forget. We forget. I don't care if you've been to church two months, 20 years, 60 years, 70 years. It's important to keep coming back because we forget about things. We forget about the gospel. There is so much happening in life for all of us. Literally, anything that you want in this world in 2022, you have access to. There are more distractions than we can even think to name. And that's the thing. See, when these things that, when Satan wants to get us off track, right, and it talks, we're going to talk about that coming up, he doesn't turn us into Satan worshipers. He distracts us. And we are very easily distracted. So that's why Sunday morning is such a great time to kind of regather. Another thing that we need to be reminded of is God's Word. So if we are not reading God's Word, then what are we going to be reminded of? Right? The, if, if you have placed your faith in Christ, for your own sake, I hope that Sunday morning is not the only time you open your Bible. Because we need to be in that daily. Because how can we be reminded of what Jesus has taught if we're not reading what Jesus has taught? And so, again, we get distracted. We get sidetracked. We're not intentional about the way we spend time in God's Word. But the Holy Spirit's going to remind that. And the reason that that's such an important thing, because if you're having a conversation with someone about faith, you know, in my experience, when I'm having that conversation, God pulls Bible verses to my mind that I don't even know I remembered. But he does that when we're having conversations with family, right? We're in a situation, if there's a situation with my kids that's not going well, like in those moments, the Spirit reminds me, like, Lee, let's take a deep breath. Pray, and then let's see how we can continue to work out best in the situation. All of those things are because the Spirit is in our lives. Verse 27 is amazing. I think it's the key for all this. He says, Jesus is saying, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. So what is Jesus' peace? Jesus has unbroken union with God the Father at all times. That is the peace that he is offering to us. Think about that. The peace that's being offered to us is the unbroken union with God forever. Again, that should blow our minds that we're offered that at all because none of us are worthy, none of us are deserving of that, but God offers it freely. And so we have that peace. Now, here come, here's the reality. We have to think about, if there's not that peace in our lives, why? What is happening? And I know for me, a lot of times, if my anxiety is starting to get the better of me, then here's what has happened. There's been like a problem or something has gone wrong in life or with somebody in the family. And my first thing is, I'm trying to think of everything that I can do to fix that situation. I would love to tell you that every time I get anxious, my first thing is to drop to my knees and pray to God. That's not reality, so I'm not going to lie to you about that. A lot of times, if there's anxiety in our lives, we look, okay, what can I control? What can I do? What can I fix to get rid of this feeling because I hate this feeling? That's the first thing we look to. And so what I, for my own life, the more I try and fix those things, the worse my anxiety gets. Because what I'm counting on then is my circumstances to be a certain way in order for God to be good with everything that's happening with me. 
If you've read through the New Testament, Paul writes a lot of the letters of the New Testament. And you will hardly ever, if ever, see him pray for people's circumstances to get better. But he prays for their faith, right? He prays for them to connect with God. So the same thing with us. Our circumstances don't determine God's love for us. Our circumstances don't determine, shouldn't determine the peace in our lives. It often does, but when it does that, we need to understand it's because we are not taking hold of the peace that Jesus has given us. The peace that he died for and rose again to give us that peace, to give it to each one of us, right? It's accessible to everybody. We have that offer, but so many times we don't take it. We try and fix things ourselves. When it says, I do not give to you as the world gives, we think about this. What are ways that the world gives us peace? Each one of us has a different idea of peace, right? And how we can use the world to get that, right? Whether it's, you know, okay, I I got married, so I have somebody with me, so that gives me peace. Or I'm making enough money, or my kids are behaving well enough, or I'm being promoted in my job. We have these things, if we don't pay attention to them, they give us this false sense of if I'm going to have that, then I'm going to have peace. Everything that the world has. It may give you peace for a short amount of time, but it does not last because it can't. The only peace that can last is the peace that Christ gives us. And so he goes on in verse 28. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. See, that's another thing. The disciples were focused on themselves and how Jesus' leaving would impact them because they were only looking at themselves, not a part of God's kingdom. Verse 29, I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world, and that's talking about Satan, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Now, the thing I want to hit on right here is in verse 30 when Jesus says, he has no hold over me. So here's here's what I think of. I think of a basketball game, right? If I'm trying to cover Steph Curry, right, but you can laugh at that because that's hilarious. He's going to score as many points as he, there's literally nothing I can do to stop him, especially like Steph Curry saying, listen, Lee, you can't hold me. If I want to score 60 points, that's what I'm doing. This, in a more cosmic sense, is what Jesus is saying to Satan. You can't hold me. This is, this is over. I've already won this. Isn't that amazing to think about? Jesus like, yeah, like Satan's going to come. He's going to try and do a lot of things, but he's already lost. It's already over. That should point us back to that peace to understand that, man, like, listen, life is crazy. Life is crazy. Life is hard for every one of us. There are different levels of hard. There are different levels of thing that we, that we go through. So we have this idea that we can do something for life to be perfect and completely peaceful all the time apart from God, and that's not reality. That does not exist. And that is what's so amazing about what God has done. Uh, there's a, a Christian author, her name's Kristen Weatherell, and she, she, talking about the Holy Spirit, put this together so perfect. And so this is, before we get into communion, this is the, the quote that I want to leave you guys with. God expects you to be perfect, yes, but not because you can be, because Jesus has been, is, and always will be perfect. He imputes, which means he gives, his holiness to you as a beloved child of God. He gives you his spirit 
who works obedience within you to bring Christ glory. That is the whole reason for this. And he will see to it that you make it to heaven where his spectacular promise of perfect holiness will be completed within you. I mean, that's amazing. How much of that, when we, when we look at that, how much of that did we do? Nothing. It is all done by God, all for the glory of Jesus. And that's what the gospel is, right? God's saying, hey, you've got to be perfect. And here, here's the answers. Jesus stands in front of us and says, I've taken this. I've lived the perfect life. I've died the perfect death. So if you're faith is in me, then you have life eternally, forevermore. And that is why we celebrate communion. We're going to come to our time of communion. And so I, I think sometimes we, we almost kind of take communion for granted, right? It kind of seems to become a little bit common to us. Like, oh yeah, you know, it's the, the crackers and the juice. Like, that's great. The Bible says it's a time to remember the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not just bread and juice. It's the life, the body, and the blood of Jesus. And so on the night that he was to be betrayed, he sits down with his disciples. And he breaks bread and he gives it to them. And he says, this bread is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that you give us an advocate to fight for us, God, because standing before the judgment seat, we would be completely hopeless. God, and even now, the, the, the only thing that rescues us is, is not even our faith, but the object of our faith, Lord, and that is you. God, I pray that you'll help us to understand. Lord, I, I know that for most of us, if we've been in church for a while, we understand that the Holy Spirit operates within our lives and that dwells within us. But God, we, we know that mentally, but we don't live out that way. God, we tend to be distracted by so many other things. We don't listen to your voice. We're not reminded of those things because we're too busy being distracted. God, I pray that you'll help us see, Lord, that, that you demand perfection, but you've also provided a way for us to be covered with that. God, to know that you have given us your holiness and taken away our sin is the craziest thing in the world. God, I pray that we never just think of that as common. God, then we never just think, yeah, that makes perfect sense because it, there's no planet that that makes sense. God, that you would trade your holiness for our sin. That would you have, Lord. So I pray for those here today, Lord, who have not placed their faith in you. God, I pray that they see and understand that the only way that we can truly have peace is the peace that you bring. God, because everything the world offers will fade. God, but you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you will be with us. So your son's name I pray. Amen.